So good morning to you. Hey, we're glad that you came, that you joined us this morning. Uh, we're really grateful that uh, you've tuned in this morning. If you're meeting with us online, you'll see that we still um, are meeting in our live service outside. Um, and so that poses its difficulties with, uh, with our online streamings, but that's pretty short-lived here in Wyoming uh, starting into September here. So we will be moving back inside, and when we move back inside, what you'll be seeing is our regular service live as it happens. But for today, we're going to do another upload, another pre-recorded upload, and we're really thankful that you've come, that you've joined us this morning. Uh, if you haven't uh, downloaded our app, you can go to your app store, and you can go to uh, Bighorn Rock Church, and find our app and get that downloaded. That's really gonna help with uh, disseminating information. It's the main place that we're getting information out to. Um, it's also a place where you're gonna be able to find some things, find some groups to be involved with, uh, find the ministries and the different happenings that are going on within the church and learn a little bit more about us. It's also our online giving platform, and so you can give your gifts uh, that way as well. Uh, so we have been going through the Psalms of Ascent, and it's been really a great journey. I don't know about you, but I've been super blessed through this. I've, I've been amazed at how the Spirit has, has revealed and shown uh, Himself in these times through these Psalms, and just how it reminds us that we are on a journey, that each one of us is, is moving on this journey, and hopefully we're a people that are moving closer and closer to God. As it were, through life, we're, we're a people who are continually approaching, desiring a deeper, uh, more intimate walk with the Lord. And so in that sense, we're, we're all also pilgrims on this journey together, on this pilgrimage, uh, moving towards God. What I want to do today is just kind of do an overview of, of each of the Psalms. I want to read back through them and kind of capture some of the, the, the key points that we looked at as we went through them, just as a reminder, just to kind of, uh, to, to kind of revisit uh, these Psalms as we close um, this summer series. Uh, we'll be coming uh, pretty soon. Stay tuned. We're going to be coming up with our next uh, sermon series here real soon. So more to come with that. But with that, let's start, and let's uh, start here with Psalm 120. And Psalm 120, it says this, it says, In my distress I called to the Lord, and He answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshach, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Psalm 120 reminds us that, that we can call upon the Lord, that when, as we begin in our journey and we begin to approach the Lord, that it begins with a call, a cry out, a cry of distress, a recognition of the reality of our need for a Savior, and that this Savior and this God is so good that He is going to hear our cry and He's going to meet us exactly where we're at in the book of James, it tells us that when we draw near to God, that God draws near to us. Not because God is, is, is distant and, and aloof, but because God is a respecter of our will. And, and when our will becomes to, to match His will in a desire for a relationship, then he, he quickly then closes the final gap that's there. But we serve a God who says that 
He answers us. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah 33, 3 says that, it says this, it says, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and awesome things which you do not know. So we have this God who has promised to, to hear our cry and also to answer us. This Psalm also b- begins with a really uh, a cry of repentance. The, the idea of, of too long have I allowed this world to, to kind of leach out onto me. Too long have I went in agreement and, and walked alongside the things of this world. And I think that is, uh, for the church, there's just a real recognition of the reality that this world that we've lived in, that we do live in, and the deception that's all around us has, has really had a, uh, implications into our lives. It's, it's, it's again, it's, it's kind of leaked out onto us. And in many ways, it's done that to us unknowingly. In other ways, we've, we've willingly entered into that. But it's this idea of like, Lord, uh, too long have I been in that spot. Too long have I walked in my own ways of, of disobedience. Too, too long have I tried to be my own answers and my own solutions uh, for these struggles. And I want to look to you and to trust and to know that you're there. It says that I'm for peace, but when I speak, they're for war. We live in a world that's really opposed to and becoming more and more every day opposed to Judeo-Christian values. And so the church is, is entering into this place where, where the battlefield is, is not quite as quiet as it was. There, there's, there's beginning to be more and more noise, more and more explosions all around us. And I'm convinced that that's going to continue to be more and more the case for us. And therefore, uh, just more and more the call for believers to unite and to begin to speak and to encourage one another to really hold the disciplines and the things of God in the forefront of our lives and to be faithful and to pursue His holiness with the whole of our being. Psalm 121 says this, it says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither sleep nor slumber. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. It's this picture as the the Israelites were the people of Israel. Judea and the, the, the people of Israel were, were coming and they were coming towards Jerusalem, they would have been walking along the hills and along those hills there would have been all kinds of high places, the, the high places of worship of these different foreign gods and, and pagan gods that had infiltrated into the land and as they were looking up onto those hills and even seeing probably those, those high places, those places of pagan worship, they, would have, they were reciting this psalm and saying, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, and He's the maker of heaven and earth. He's not made. He's not created by human hands. He's not a a piece of wood that's been fashioned into a statue or an idol. He's the God who created all things, and and He's for us. And if He's for us, then who could ever uh, stand against us? And again, He's a God who, when we cry out to Him, He's a God who responds, who, who hears our cries, who comes to help us, who comes to... Uh, in our aid. It says that he never sleeps and he never slumbers. This God is, is one who's always aware. 
Sometimes we feel like we're in a situation where, where maybe we're struggling or we don't, we don't feel like God is near or we don't understand or we don't get our circumstances, but this is a God who knows them. And this is a God who's at work 24-7, 365 on your behalf and on my behalf. And it says from this time forth and forevermore that, that this is a kingdom and this is a God who's unending. And, and, and he's from all eternity past and all of his promises and everything that we're desiring and hopeful for are promises that are leading us into eternity future. <coughs> Psalm 122 says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions sake, I will say peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Psalm 122 starts out by saying that we are glad to pursue the things of God, that we are a people who rejoice in the things of God, and we're thankful and grateful and glad this morning to be moving towards Him and to be furthering our relationship with Him. It goes on to say, peace be within your walls and security within your towers. We talked about how there's one place of peace, right? And this, this Hebrew word for peace, shalom, was, a, was not just the absence of conflict, but it was a wholeness. It was a, it was a holistic peace that, that, that kind of infiltrated every sphere of life. It was, it was a peace in, in marriage, a, a, a personal peace, an inner peace, a, a financial peace, um, a social peace. Um, intellectual peace. All, all, it was just kind of this wholeness of peace that pervaded us. And see, we're a world that is seeking peace and purpose in so many things that just will never do it. We're always seeking our way and our peace through our bank accounts or our hobbies or our toys or our experiences or our relationships. And in reality, you see, those things are good things, but it's only when we, we uh, are seeking peace from God first and receiving that 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 peace comes in and, and, and creates this wholeness that, that kind of seeps out into these other spheres of our lives and brings the peace and the goodness that we hope that those things will provide for us. But they only provide for us in that way when we put God first. When we put those other things first, they become an idol and they become this thing that we chase that we really just can't ever fully catch or capture. Psalm 123 says this, it says, To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. We're called to be a people who are expectantly looking to the hand of our God to provide for us exactly what we need, when we need it, how we need it, how much of it we need, and exactly at the right timing 
for when we would need it. Because he's the God who knows all things. He's the God who is in charge of all things. And so our call is to just look intently. And I, like I talked before, I always think about a border collie or a, or a lab when you've got a ball. And how intently they're looking at the hand of the master and that ball. Because it's their greatest desire to do the work that that brings. And, 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 and so we want to be a people who are intently looking at God's hand understanding that He's our source and, and, that, and that there's no greater fulfillment that could ever come into our lives than, than by doing the work that comes from His hand. It goes on to talk about the contempt of the world. And uh, the Bible tells us that, that if we live a life in Christ Jesus, that we will face persecution. And we as the church have to remember that, that this, uh, this journey I heard this morning it's a race. It's not a walk in the park. And racing requires training and it requires effort and it requires um, some pain at times, right? But it requires also persistence and long suffering and these good things that come out of and that lead us to a place really of victory in the race. Psalm 124 said this, it said, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive. When their anger was kindled against us, when then the flood would have swept us away, the torrent would have gone over us, then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Again, this reminder that our hope is in the one who's made all things. He's not only created us, but he's purchased us back. He's redeemed us. You know, the nation of Israel is an interesting study in itself. And I think personally that it's a proof of the reality of the truth of the Bible. See, if it wasn't for God, there would be no Israel. As a matter of fact, they've been scattered across the earth twice and brought back into their land. Um, they've been conquered and overrun by countless um, other uh, civilizations and cultures and, and governments and all kinds of stuff, yet they are preserved. And once again, they are a nation even today. It's only the hand of God that has preserved them. When's the last time you met a, a Hittite or an Amorite or a Jebusite or a, or a, a, a Malachite? But you can meet an Israelite today because God has preserved them. Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abide forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. From this time forth and forevermore, for the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. Once again, the, the, the picture here is, is, is what are we found, foundationally, what are we building our lives on? Are we building our lives foundationally on something that is secure? Have we dug down into the bedrock of the gospel and of God's word? And are we building our lives on that? Or are we building our lives on the sand and the deceit of the world around us? You see, 
We live in a world more and more where, where it's so important that we as Christians understand this to be our truth, that this is the place where we are building our lives out of this. Everybody in this world has an opinion right now. Everybody has a thought. And, and, and all of these, these thoughts and these ideas are yelling at us. But God has set down ways and principles for living and, and laws for living, spiritual laws, that if we live by these things, we'll experience God's blessing. We may not uh, experience an easy life. It's, it's not, again, it's not a, about a life of ease, but it is about goodness. And it's about uh, living for things that are worthy of our time and our affection our resources and our energies. And then it ends here by saying, those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away. We have to continue to remember that there is a reality of judgment that the Bible talks about. That the Bible says that without Christ, that, that humanity is, is without hope and that anybody who isn't in Christ is, is, is headed for an eternity separated from an eternity of hell. And as believers, we have to believe that. We have to know that if, if I'm in Christ, um, that it's only going to get better. Gary Dobney of the Salvation Army, he said that this last week. He said, if we're in Christ, then these are the worst days that we're going to experience. But if we're not in Christ, these are the best days that we're going to experience. So if we're in Christ, it only gets better from here. If we're not in Christ, it only gets worse from here. Psalm 126, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. It's the idea of sowing. And even though in our lives we may experience difficulty and circumstances that we don't understand, what we've been called to do, regardless if Jesus is coming back uh, tomorrow or if he's coming back in another thousand years, it changes absolutely nothing about the mission of the believer, which is to go out and to make disciples, to go out and to, to sow seed into the world around us, trusting and knowing that it's God and only God that can make those seeds grow. See, when we look at the parable of the sower, so many times we wanna make that parable about the seed or the soil, but it says it's the parable of the sower. And, and that sower goes out and he sows everywhere. He doesn't just sow into the good ground. He sows into the rocks. He sows into the weed patches. He sows all onto the path. He sows all over the place. Every time I'm up on the mountain and I see a pine tree that's growing out of the middle of a boulder, it always reminds me that I never know what seed might take root or where it might. Because sometimes those seeds take root in places that we would say are absolutely impossible for them to take root. And if we live our lives this way, for God's purpose is sowing his seed, we're going to reap sheaves of joy, it says, that we're going to live with a joy and a purpose and a shalom peace that will transcend all understanding. Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. 
Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Remember, it's, this psalm reminds us that, that unless God is in what we're doing, we'll just work in vain. It won't matter. We can come up with the greatest ideas and, and, and programs and schemes and outreaches or whatever that looks like. But if we haven't first sought God in His face and, and said, God, are you in this? And found out that, that we're actually, what we're doing is we're doing the very thing that He's called us to do, then we can do all kinds of great things. But in reality, they won't bear the fruit that we hope they will because we've actually left the one who's able to make seeds grow out of the equation. So let's remember that we always need to not try to just go out and establish our will and see if God will come over and and join us in what we're doing, but find God and what He's doing and join Him in that. Psalm 128, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. You shall eat the fruit of labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Again, the Bible tells us that that wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord, that right, wise, and good living begins when we have a right understanding, a right reverence, a right awe of the reality of who God is. When we understand rightly who He is, the one who's made these mountains, who's made all of creation, and we start to recognize that if He is who He says He is, and He has the power, and He holds all of this universe together, then He's the one who is worthy of my respect and my awe. And and when I do that, it begins to do something in me that starts to say, maybe I ought to alter my behavior in a way that matches what God tells me to, uh, to how to live and what to do, and then experience the blessings of doing that. See, the Bible's telling us that, that our homes will prosper when we follow God's ways. And if we need one thing in the culture today, one thing that I promise you is wrong in 95% of the problems in the world that we have today is brokenness in the family. It's brokenness in the family. It's because we've went our own way. We've went away from God. We've went away from His principles. And we've broken the family. And when the family gets broken, there's all kinds of carnage that falls out of that. Psalm 129. Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Let Israel now say, Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. The Lord is righteous. He has cut the cords of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backward. Let them be like grass on the housetops, which withers before it grows up, with which the reaper does not fill his hand, nor the binder of sheaves his arms. Nor do those who pass by say, The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Again, the Bible says that if we follow Christ, Jesus said, They hated me first. If you follow me, 
Don't be surprised when they hate you also. This world is directly opposed to the things of God. The reality of each and every one of us is that we also at one time stood opposed to the reality of who God was and His ways. And, um, but He's rescued us and he's, he's revealed truth to us and He's given us the ministry to go out and do the same. Psalm 130, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in His word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For the Lord, in the Lord there is steadfast love, and with Him is plentiful redemption, and He will redeem Israel from all His iniquities. There's the cry here to, to save us. And the gospel is just wrapped up in this psalm that, that God is plentiful with redemption. That his plan is, is that we would all be right in our relationship, that we would all be in a saving relationship uh, to the Savior, that we would be rightly related to a holy and perfect God through the blood of Jesus shed on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And that that life, the life of Jesus, would become the substitution for our own lives by which we have His righteousness and His right standing before the Father and then eternal life with Him forever because of that. Psalm 131, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up, my eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. It's a psalm about contentment. And again, like we talked, we tend to be a people that don't really understand contentment, that put contentment into the future. We say things like, I'll be content when when in reality, contentment only exists in the present. When we try to put it in the future, we're actually speaking about being discontent. That, that, that the reality of putting contentment in the future, saying I'll be content when, really only leads to once we've achieved that, we put the next, now I'll be content when, now I'll be content when, now I'll be content when. But there's this contentment, this, this shalom kind of a peace that we're talking about again, in which it says that, you know, I'm not even gonna worry about things that are too big for me or too great for me. I'm just gonna trust that God knows it and I'm not gonna to try to figure out all the mysteries of the universe today. Um, and I'm just gonna be content with the good things and the blessings that God has given me today. Psalm 132, remember, O Lord, in David's favor, all the hardships he endured, how he swore to the Lord and bowed to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Behold, we heard of it in Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of Yar. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness and let your saints shout for joy. For the sake of your servant, David, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. The Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their sons also forevermore shall sit on your throne. 
for the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priests I will clothe with salvation, and her saints will shout with joy. There I will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but on him his crown will shine. Again, this, this psalm, this, this, uh, this picture of that is that I, I won't even allow my personal conveniences to get in the way of what the Lord's work is. I'm going to make sure that His house is established and a call for the church to recognize and to see each and every human being on this earth as a potential residing place for the Spirit of God, the temple on earth by which God dwells. Remember, we're talking about this tw- temple here But now, in the new covenant, we understand that every human being is a potential temple for God on this earth. And and that's how we're supposed to see people. And we're supposed to have a heart as the church to recognize that each person is the potential dwelling place for God. And, and, And have it be so much our desire that we're willing to give up things for that cause. Because that cause is greater than our causes. Psalm 133, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. God calls his church to unity. Jesus' last and longest prayer was for the unity of the church. Not just within the local church body or our church body, but I believe within the greater church body of Sheridan and the, and, and, and the United States and, and even the world. And so there's this call for unity. So we see how deep Jesus' heart is for unity and the unity of the church and the real call and the need to be unified in these times, especially as we see storms coming our way. Uh, Psalm 134. Our final psalm, it says this. It says, Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, He who made heaven and earth. Again, we're reminded that we're talking about the one who made heaven and earth. We're talking about the creator of all things. And it says, those who stand by night in the house of the Lord. And, and so there was a, a night watch or a, a, a night shift, if you will, for the temple. And it was composed of Levites and, and priests. And they would, uh, the priests would patrol the grounds to make sure that everything was good uh, within the temple all night long. And the Levites would be preparing the showbread for the following day and, 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 and making sure that the, the meats were cooked and some different things and all of the kind of the goings on that needed to happen for temple life on a day-by-day basis were, were met by a, by a night crew. Uh, sometimes maybe you feel like you're on the night crew, like that, that, that your ministry is one that, that is kind of under the radar, one that just isn't out in the broad daylight where everybody is seeing it. But I want you to know that the call here is, is a recognition of, of what you're doing and a, and a reality that says that no matter where we might be serving, that if we're serving where the Lord has called us to serve, then we're, called, we're in exactly the right place. 
and that the call is to, to do it all, all things that we do to do it for the Lord. So whether we, we, whatever vocation we find ourselves doing, wherever we find ourselves, whatever uh, pursuits or just as we live our lives on a day-to-day basis, the call is that we would be a people who do all things as to the Lord. The other thing too is that idea too of the night shift. And I just want to leave us with this encouragement and this thought and this idea is that there is a, there, there, there are things that are going on in here all the time, 24-7. And sometimes the, the conversations that we're having with ourselves are the most destructive conversations that we can have. The, the inward life, sometimes a secret life that, that believers even can be engaging and living in. God has called us to pursue Him and to find the freedom that He has for us in those things. Uh, he's, he's a God of freedom. He's a God who's, who's purchased this this freedom on our behalf and he's the God who stands ready to free us from sometimes those inward dark places that night shift that we tend to do within the temple Um, check that make sure that you're experiencing that shalom peace that God has for us that wholeness that 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 peace that transcends all understanding a peace that um, is able to pervade every sphere of our lives and, and, and make us then an outflow of peace and love and joy into the community around us that we live in. So, hey, I, I really hope you've enjoyed uh, the Psalms of Ascent, this summer series that we've done. Again, I certainly have been blessed for it. Um, really grateful and honored to have gotten to have studied God's Word and prepared for it. I hope you were blessed. Looking forward to, uh, to our next sermon series, um, and I hope you are too. More details to come on that. And so thanks so much for tuning in with us this, e- this morning. Uh, we're blessed by you. We're thankful. Uh, go and be a blessing to somebody this day. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord uh, just make His peace to pervade every area of your life, every sphere of your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago when much of it was penned. Lord, we thank you that it, that it speaks and it, it ministers to our hearts and into our spirit and our soul. Lord, we thank you that, that, God, you're the God who has created all things, that you're the maker of heavens and earth. And, and Lord, that you, um, you're the one who's able, and not just able, but willing to enter into our lives, to, to speak to us, to minister to us, to change us, to, to give us hope, to, to build and to grow uh, peace in, in our lives, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of how much the storm might rage around us, Lord, you promise that you can give us a peace that will just transcend understanding. It won't even make sense to the world. So Lord, help us this day. We pray over our nation. We pray in these, these times, Lord, that you'd bring your peace. We pray that your gospel would go forth and that your people would stand, that they would rise, that they would speak, and that they would speak the love and the goodness of you, and that that love and goodness would lead to repentance, Lord. Help your people to understand, to realize the reality of judgment, and that so many sit in a precarious spot before you, Lord, a place of not being right. So, Lord, may we be agents of the gospel. May we take the Great Commission, and may we take it seriously, and may it be our deepest desire to fulfill that. And may we want that and desire that to see each and every human heart as a potential 
a resting place for the Spirit, a temple for the Spirit. Lord, may that be our deepest desire and may no personal interest of our own come before that. And we ask these things 